0: I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles um, to Mark, the second chapter. We're going to work verse 1 through 12. Mark, the second chapter, verse 1 through 12. I was in my office, well, office, it's really room, but in the youth room earlier. And you know, it's like I could start hearing people come in, heard the Burks come in, heard uh, Miss Jeter come in, heard different people come in. And you know, so many times our church family is more family than our family, and so it's it's just such an awesome feeling just to just to hear all the church droppings going on and every, everybody just kind of having fellowship. And uh, I don't know, it's just just awesome to get through the freeze, the snow and see everybody here this morning. So that's got me pretty pumped up already. Um, let's go ahead and jump into our scripture. It says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive the sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in the Spirit that they had reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But That you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. This passage of Scripture that we just read records one of Jesus' great miracles uh, that only he could perform. Jesus literally heals a man who is paralyzed to the point where he has to be carried around wherever he goes. What most people would consider impossible, Jesus just makes it look like nothing at all. Most of us have probably either read or heard this passage of scripture many times. We've probably heard it preached several different ways. One of the ways that it can be preached is the faith that these four men had in Jesus that if they could just get that man in their in his presence that Jesus was going to be able to heal him. Another way it's is Jesus humbling the religious people of the day, the churchgoers, And kind of putting them in their place and saying, you don't even know who I am. And you're supposed to be the religious people of the day. It's also a great picture of our salvation. The healing of this man is a great picture of salvation that hopefully everybody in this room has. But this morning I want to take a look at it from just a little bit different angle. And the title of my sermon is, break in through the clay. What happens when we're able to break through the clay? In verse four, we see that these four men could not get to Jesus, or couldn't get their friend to Jesus because the crowds were so big. They were blocking the entrance to the door that Jesus was in. But instead of giving up, they climb up on the roof and they break it open and they lower their friend down to Jesus through the ro- through the hole in the roof that they had opened up. And houses in that day had two different types of roof. One of them had beams, and it had little sticks that kind of crisscrossed as a foundation. You put clay towels on top of that. Then you cover it over with some more clay, and then you put grass on top of that. The second way was a little bit more simple and it was just clay tiles that were just kind of stacked on top of each other so that there would be no leaks. But no matter what type of roof this house had, in order to get their friends to Jesus, these four men had to break through the clay. And when they were able to do this, their friend came in contact with Jesus and he experienced the grace of God. He experienced the forgiveness of his sins, and he experienced the complete healing of his body. You know, last week, Brother Mark was kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the potter and the clay, and then Jeremiah 18, one through six, it actually speaks about the potter taking the clay, and and it paints a beautiful picture of, of the potter, which is God, and taking the clay, which is us, and molding us into a useful vessel. And as time passes, a useful vessel, or a vessel that allows itself to be used, will pick up scratches. It'll pick up up chips and dents, and it'll wear down, and there will be stuff that gets caked up on this this useful, useful vessel. But the Bible assures us that even in our imperfections, even with our scratches, even with our dents, even with all our Mars, the Potter will always have a use for the vessels that are willing to be useful for his honor and his glory. Amen. Now, I gave my life to Christ, August of 2007. And so this year is going to be 14 years that I've been saved. I hope you can all go back to a time or you know, you can remember the moment that you gave your life to Christ. And at the time, and, and I think this is probably true for most of us, when you give your life to Christ, there's a fire that just burns inside of you. There's, there's, there's just something that just consumes you. And I knew that I was a new creation. I didn't understand it totally, but I knew that I was I, I was a new creation. And I knew that I was I was a vessel that needed to be used by God. And and there was just this yearning inside of me to want to wanna learn about them, to wanna wanna tell others about them. And and you know, I would I would watch Brother Mike and I would see how he was preaching, and I'm thinking, how would I say that? How would I present that? And so six months later, I I I've surrendered to the ministry, and man, it's been one heck of a ride, taking me places I never thought I'd be, doing things I thought I would never do, but it has been absolutely amazing. And of course, my wife has gotten to tag along with it. (laughs) I don't know if it's been a blessing or a curse, but probably a little bit of both. But I was taught by Brother Mike that a relationship with Jesus Christ is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I was taught that when you give your life to Christ, it's not all shady and downhill and everything's great and, you know, things are just going to be absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, only the way he could, he'd look down through his glasses and he'd say, oh, you don't even know you have a target on your back now. When you make a decision for Christ, you have a target on your back. And I understand this a whole lot better now than I did back then. Now, Brother Martin, what does roofs and clay and all this have to do with me? Well, you see, the Bible tells us that while we are on this side of heaven, while we are in our clay form, while we are in our flesh, that's another word for clay, while we are in our flesh, we are going to struggle. We are going to always be fight. There's always going to be a fight between the flesh and the spirit. And it's gonna be a constant ebb of up and down and up and down and I I thought Miss Julie had probably looked at my notes because what she was saying goes along with a lot of what I'm speaking about today and it seems like over the past week or over the past two weeks or over the past month I run into people and they're like you know it's just I just want to give up or I just don't feel as close to God it just seems like one thing piles on top of another on top of another on top of another and there's just time when you just want to give up or you don't really you go through the motions but that's all we're doing is going through the motions and as I was reading and studying for this a, a lot of times really this can be a message for any relationship that you have the single hardest thing you will ever do in your life I wholeheartedly believe is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second hardest thing that you will ever do in your life is be married. Amen. You know, it's not happily ever after. it's gonna be a constant up and down and work and are you wanting to be in this and can you put yourself aside can you move yourself out of the way and do you want to be the best version of yourself do you do you want to work through these things and it's they really go hand in hand and we are the bride and he is the groom and if we're gonna go ahead and be honest I've spent hundreds of dollars for somebody to tell me something that's right here in the Bible We should have a desire in whatever relationship we're in, especially our relationship with Jesus, to be the very best version of ourselves. And this does not just happen magically. We cannot just sit on uh, sit out here and just say, okay, here it is, I'm, I'm God's gift to God. And, if we're going to be honest, a lot of times in our relationship with God, we want the easy route. We want the easy things. We want, to, we want things to just be very, very simple. And, and, and the, four, the four men that are carrying their friend, they try the easy route first. They try to enter through the front door, but they're not able to get in through the front door. There's things that are blocking their way. And so hopefully this morning it will be a great reminder of, of being able to move things or move, remove the clay from our lives and being willing to get up on the roof, and if that's what it takes, and dig in a hole in order to get to Jesus. So let's take a look today at the truth that's in our scripture that we just read and what a lesson it can either be to us or what a reminder it can be to us. Because in our relationship, in our walk with Christ, we don't just learn the lesson and remember it and remember it and remember it and just keep on going. We actually put it to the side and we have to be reminded, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh yeah, that's how a relationship works. So the first truth that I want to look at is that when you break through the clay, it makes Jesus more visible. Now, why is that important, Brother Martin? Well, as long as those four friends stood outside of the house or stood up on the roof, these men are not able to see Jesus. They're they're not able to take a look at his face. All they can hear is his voice, but his voice has been diminished. It's been dimmed. It's not like being face-to-face with him, and so his face was hidden from their view. There's things in our lives, there's things that as we go through our relationship with Christ that are going to hide Jesus' face from our view, that are going to be whatever's blocking the doorway. It's going to be whatever's blocking what Jesus has for us. The very first thing is going to be our attitudes. You know, last week, you know, if I went and I grabbed some flour from the flower area, the whole thing falls and it's all over the place. And I'm like, Amanda, can you please um, go clean that up? Cause I'm afraid I might say some dirty words or I may, uh, you know, cause that's just frustrating. And we're, we're, we were uh, feeding some of the kids that are doing theater. And so, you know, I'm the one that has to go pick up things. And I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same way, but I can get in the shortest line in any place and I will be there the longest dollar tree shortest line here I am five hours later super one here I am buying drinks five hours later this was not Express I don't know what it was but it was anything but express go and pick up the food. I don't know what it was but it wasn't it wasn't fast food. And my attitude can just become so, oh, man, this sucks, and I can just become so negative about things when that happens. You know, Chuck Swindoll, he has one of the most famous sayings that life is 90% your attitude and 90% what happens. Hold on. (laughs) I can't read my my writing here. Life is going to be 10% what happens to you and 90% or your attitude towards it, your reaction. How will you cope with those things? Our actions can get in the way. You know, Paul reminds us that we do what we know we shouldn't do. But we don't do what we know we should do in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So our actions can get in the way of us, of of the view of being able to see him. Our emotions. Anybody in here emotional? I know I am. Uh, My wife tells me all the time, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) Hurts my feelings sometimes. Makes me emotional. (laughs) Like, Amanda, you're going to have to put up with me this week because I'm feeling kind of emotional. (laughs) Fears. We just sang a song. Our fear doesn't stand the chance in the presence of God. When Jesus is visible, our fear does not stand the chance. But how many of us go through a daily basis fearing about this and fearing about that? Failures. You know, well, I've already failed him once, so he's not going to be able to use me. Grudges and hurts. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. That person hurt me. I don't really like that person. Worries. Anybody in here ever worry? I worry. And sometimes it's about silly stuff. You know, worrying gives you something to do. It's like being in the rocking chair gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. These things and others, I don't know what your struggles are. You do. These things and others hide his face and it diminishes his voice. When you first gave your life to Christ, his voice was very loud. You could see everything, it was exciting. But the further you go in your walk with him and your relationship with him, these things hide and diminish his voice and they stand between us seeing him in all his glory. Nothing affects my walk with the Lord like I do. Not anybody else, not the church, not anything. Nothing affects my walk with Christ like I do. And that's a hard concept to grasp sometimes because that means we got to be real with ourselves. When we remove or we break through the clay, we end up being humbled. And ending up humbled in the presence of the Lord is such a freeing thing. We end up in repentance mode. We repent of what we've done and and He shows up with His grace and His mercy and all we have to do is just take it and the wall of separation that you feel, the wall of separation that was there, it just goes by the wayside and you see Jesus again face to face. You hear His voice, you know, just like the sheep see the shepherd, just like the bride sees the bridegroom, just like the son sees the father. We we must see the Savior in order to hear him fully and when we're able to see him our desire for him will be greater than it was when you're close to the Lord you will want to be even closer to him and you will want to spend time with him And you will want to be the best version of yourself that you can be. When we are spending time with Him, and when we we're we're face to face with Him, the first thing it does it puts everything into order. Our God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. The order is that he's our savior. We love that part because we all want to be saved and go to heaven. The second part is that he's our Lord. That means that we are trying to be more like him. We want to be more like him. He's our master and he's God. And that's very important to be able to know who's in the driver's seat, who's in control. In Psalms 42, David says that, that as a deer pants for water, our soul thirsts for God. When we're near him, we thirst more for him. In Luke 24, after Jesus had had. had died, the disciples are, there's a couple of disciples that are on the road to Emmaus and they're walking with a stranger and they're talking and they don't know who it is. They finally get to where they're supposed to be and they sit down and they have dinner and Jesus makes himself visible. And all of a the sudden they're like, oh my gosh, we were with our Lord and savior. And one of them goes on to say, while we were with him and while we were talking with him, our hearts burned, our hearts desired to hear what he was saying. And and especially when he was talking to us, but also when he was opening up the scriptures to us. When God is visible, when Jesus is visible, we will have a greater desire for him. What what clay is holding you back today? Today? What, what clay is, is, is standing between you and him? And, and you're not able to stand on the truth that if you can remove those things that you can stand in his presence, you can, you can see him. And when he's more visible, he'll be more precious to you. And your heart yearns for that. I know mine does. The second thing, when these four men broke through the clay is when they lowered the man down, they put that man in the presence of Jesus. And being in the presence of Jesus is something that we should all want. Well, we do have that desire. When we are in the presence of Jesus, (laughs) the very first thing we can do is we can give him our burdens. These four men, I don't know how far away they lived, But they literally, literally in the physical form, they had a burden that they wanted to bring to Jesus. They had a friend that they were carrying, and I'm sure at some point he got heavy, and they literally bring and they leave their burden at the feet of Jesus. When we can break through the clay, we can be in the presence of Jesus. And the first thing that that does for is our burdens can be left at his feet. The, The Bible says in Matthew, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In Hebrews 4, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weak. Weaknesses. He was tempted in every way, but did not sin. We can approach him with confidence and receive his mercy and find grace in our time of need. It, isn't it amazing? I know it fires me up to know that Jesus had every temptation that you and I have. He didn't read it out of a book. He actually experienced it. So when we're able to be in his presence, we can. he, he knows what we're going through. He went through the same thing. I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm going to be learning from somebody, I want somebody that has experience. I don't want somebody that has read it out of a book. I want somebody that's been in the foxhole. I want somebody that's worked through that. Because it's so easy to read out of a book, but if you don't know, then you don't know. In the presence of God, in the presence of God is where we can discover our blessing. Everybody in here wants to be blessed, but only in the presence of God can we discover our blessing. Jesus looked up to those four men and and what they were doing, and he saw their faith, and and he kind of gives them an attaboy. And he says, because your friends brought you here, I will heal you. I will bless your friend because of what you've done. The blessing is only possible in the presence of the Lord. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me in such a way that other people will end up talking about it. But a blessing isn't going to come unless we are in the presence of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 7:14 and this is one of the most uh, you know recited verses If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, uh, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, number 1, I will forgive and I will heal. The best thing that we can do for our church, the best thing we can do for our families, the best thing that we can do for our communities and ourselves is to enter in the presence of God and be willing to break through that clay and take the blessings that God has for us. You know, one of the, one of the most popular songs, and Amanda plays it all the time, or she has over the past few months, is The Blessing. And it's so popular because it says, Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, turn his face towards you, give you peace and put favor upon you for a thousand generations, not only on you, but your children and their children and their children. God wants to do that for us, but it can only happen when we remove the clay and we're willing to stand in his presence, just like he did for this paralytic man. Amen? The, the last thing is when we are able to bl- break through the clay is that we can really experience the power of Jesus. When we can remove the things from the flesh that are hindering us, we can experience the power of Jesus. This man that could not walk, this man that had to be carried everywhere, he experienced the cleansing power of Jesus. Do you know Jesus can cleanse anything from you? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how... how, uh, not good you feel, Jesus can cleanse those things. In verse 5, it shows us that Jesus cleansed this man of his sins. In 1 John, it says that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How many of you like to hold on to things? That's our flesh. I like holding on to things. I like to wallow in it. I like to think about maybe I should have throat punched that person. I like to think about the wrongs that they've done they've given me. We all hold on to different things. I don't like the way they talk to me. I don't like the way they looked at me. Amanda, did you see that? Secret sins. There's things in here that nobody knows about us, things that we struggle with. God can forgive that. God can cleanse that. Public sin, maybe people know about it. God can forgive that. An old bitter spirit. I think that's my name sometimes, old bitter spirit. God can cleanse that. The lack of love, the lack of being vulnerable, this, this happens in marriages all the time. This happens in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't want to open ourselves up for love because we don't want to be vulnerable because what if they hurt us? Guilty? God can cleanse that. The lack of forgiveness? Because you've been done wrong. God can cleanse that. But it's only going to happen when we're willing to look in the mirror and break through the clay. This man also experienced the changing power of Jesus. In verse 10 through 12, I'm going to go back to those three verses. It says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. God, Jesus has changing power. I know that the man that knelt down and prayed, was not a perfect man, but I knew that God had changed me. I knew my life would never be the same. And as I keep going in my walk with Christ, there's times when I have to kneel down again and I'm like, Lord, change me. Lord, mold me. Lord, I I need your power to change me because I'm not able to do it in my own power. It's impossible. If I want to be the best version of Martin Ibarra, if I want to be the best husband that I can be if I want to be the best father if I want to be the best preacher I have to be willing to say Lord use your changing power on me and that's that that's shown right here That he changed this man, this man came in, he couldn't walk, and all of a sudden he gets up and he takes his bed and he goes home. All of a sudden he's a picture, like Miss Julie was saying, he was a light to others because that man hasn't been able to walk. That man hasn't been able to do much of anything. All of a sudden he's a light that's going around, walking back home, and I'm sure people are like, what the what? Jesus. Jesus. He can change our lives as well as the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we treat others, the way others see us, he can change us to be the best version of ourselves. If we're willing to get dirty, we're willing to look at the things that are not of him, the clay that is holding holding us down and holding us back, and if we can break those things off, he is able. He's able able to make himself visible. He's able to to let us be in his presence. And he's able to let us experience the power that only he can can give. Amen? I read read a, a story or an illustration, and it was talking about a Swedish missionary, him and his wife... 27 years old, they decide they're going to go to Africa and they're going to be missionaries. Uh, they have a a small child, or a baby. They have a son, and so they go to Africa, and you know, there's not much in running water and electricity and all that stuff, but they go to a village where they're not really wanted because they're outsiders, and so they're allowed to make a little hut or a little house up on the hillside, and so they. They're trying to convert this village, or they're trying to tell these people about Jesus, and there's one little boy that shows up. Nobody else ever shows up. And so this this missionary, the husband, he's like, you know, I told God that I was going to make him a promise that I would go to Africa and I would give my life for Christ if that's what needed to happen. No matter what the price is, I would be willing to give it. And so they have a hard time. The, the wife ends up getting pregnant, and she's about six months along, and, you know, they're just struggling really, really bad. She gets a fever, delivers the baby girl, but she ends up passing away. And so the husband the husband ends up leaving his daughter there with some other missionaries, their main mission, and he says, I'm going to take my son, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going I'm to you know, find my riches. He becomes bitter and angry with God. And so he goes back home to Sweden, and he becomes very, very successful. He becomes a rich man. But he doesn't like anybody to ever speak about God in his presence because of how God had failed him and so the little girl is eventually given to two Americans they move to the US she grows up there she ends up going to uh, England one time and she she goes to a conference where there's a uh, a, an African missionary and it's the little young man that was in their presence so she goes up to him and she says did you ever know so-and-so he's like yeah they're known all over the place they're the ones that led me to Christ and he's like you know they had a daughter and, and I don't ever know what happened to her. And she said, I am that daughter. And so he goes on to share with her that hundreds of thousands had come to Christ because of what her dad and mom had sacrificed. They had built 38 different schools. They had built an 1,800 hospital, uh, bed hospital there in Africa. And he was talking about how big of a difference that man made in his life. So she ends up going to Sweden, finds her dad. He had another family, other kids. She goes to him, and he doesn't want anything to do with her. He's like, after 30 years, why would I want anything to do with you? I don't want to hear about you and your God. So she shares with him about that young man he led to Christ and the hundreds of thousands of souls that had been won and the schools that had been built and in the, in the hospital that had been built, and the father all of the sudden breaks through the clay, and he kneels down, and he weeps, and he, he comes into the presence of the Lord, and he asks for forgiveness, and, and he ends up having a relationship with Christ for a couple more years. But there were many things that were holding him from having that relationship because he couldn't break through the clay. Sometimes we don't know the impact that we have on others. But that's not for us to know. Our job is to be faithful, amen?